Hello everyone, we are back once again for your weekly update on All News Nerdy. This week we are going to be discussing some production updates on some Marvel films. We have uh, the announcement of the next Martin Scorsese film. A few hints as to the subject of the last film to be directed by Quentin Tarantino. And then we're going to end out with a new film uh, that has sort of gone under the radar as of late, but has piqued my interest. I'm your host, Brennan Sem, and this is the New Wave Nerds. Okay, so we have had a, a bit of a slow news week, not too many big stories. Um, so our, our top story this week is just going to be a little update on the filming status of a few of the upcoming Marvel projects. Now, as I'm sure you all remember, we have the ongoing Writers Guild strike. And with that has been a lot of a lot of pauses on production, a lot of setbacks. Um, most of these have been relegated to the film space. Uh, late night TV as well. But there have been a few films that have been affected. I think the last time we talked, uh, the only Marvel film that had really been affected was Blade. But just a few days ago, we got an update on the filming status of the next Thunder... Or not the next, because it's the only one. Um, on the Thunderbolts film. So this one... Uh, you may remember, is going to be the sort of ragtag team-up movie. Uh, it's going to be starring... Uh, who's the crew in that? We've got Bucky Barnes, uh, Yelena from The Black Widow, The Red Guardian. Um, who else do we have? Ooh, U.S. Agent from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ghost. And I think the only last person is Vanessa. The Contessa, what is her name? Vanessa Allegra de Fontaine or some such. Julia Louise Dreyfus uh, from Seinfeld fame. She's she's the leader. I think that's all the people in that. I think that's all the heroes. There might be one that I'm missing, but I can't think of who it is right now. But so that one um, production is halted. Uh, they were supposed to start filming in three weeks I believe so in mid-June mid to late June is when they were going to start and that was going to be uh, filmed in Atlanta but production is halted obviously due to the writer's strike as I we've discussed maybe two three weeks ago oh man maybe it was even a month ago four weeks I don't know but some time ago uh, we talked about how there were extensive rewrites that were going on the previous draft of the film sort of focused a little too heavily on uh, Yelena, I believe. They said Black Widow characters, but let's be honest, it's probably just just Yelena. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine the Red Guardian was getting too much screen time other than uh, the occasional comedic relief. But the film was is being rewritten by Lee Sung Jin, uh, who recently penned the... Netflix series, I believe it's called Beef. Uh, I wonder if that came out. I'm not going to lie. I didn't follow it. Um, let's see. IMDb is loading here. It, yeah, it came out. Oh, it ended already. Oh, they released all the episodes in one go. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it. Uh, it has 8.1 out of 10 on stars. Uh, not on stars, 8.1 stars out of 10. Um, 
This is the one that starred uh, Stephen Wen and Ali Wong. Oh, David Cho is in this. I kind of like David Cho. Ashley Park. Um, what has she been in? Uh, let's see. Not She was in a few episodes of Star Wars Visions. Why do I know this person? Yeah, it doesn't look like she's been in anything that I've seen. Um, why is her name familiar then? I guess maybe it's just a sort of vaguely basic name, Ashley Park. I don't know. That's weird. Oh, update. I guess she's in the Mean Girls. She will be in the Mean Girls musical. I uh, I must admit, I have never seen uh, the original Mean Girls movie. That's probably going to get me some hate. I know that that is very popular. But yeah, I've never, I just never gotten around to it. It was never, never one that I particularly cared about. Oh, she's won some awards. Oh, Critics' Choice Awards for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series for her role in Emily in Paris. I did not watch that one. I think I, I do remember when it came out, though. Um, I, I think it was the rage for all of 10 minutes on the social medias. Uh, but apart from that, I mean, e even saying all the rage is probably a little being a little too generous i i think i saw maybe two posts about it anyways <laughs> so the film is being written uh by by lee sung jin and um it, it was a little weird because i believe he, he was talking about how he's never done anything at this scale um which you know which is fair uh, a superhero music, a superhero music, a superhero movie is very different from uh, a, a a comedy TV show. Um, but he was also talking about how it's a little weird because it's not his project; it's still very much the director's project. Um, and so he's sort of taking a, a back seat, I guess. Uh, he's not; it's not necessarily going to be his voice. Um, What's the director's name? Jake Schreier, which is not somebody who I know particularly well. Um, known for Robot and Frank. Oh, and Paper Towns. I never saw that one, but I also remember when that came out. That was one of those ones. Um, I believe it was like a sort of coming of age, like high school drama. Maybe drama isn't quite the right word. Um Oh, here we go. Yeah, from the author of The Fault in Our Stars, which is, no is another one that I never saw, uh, but I guess it made a lot of people cry. Probably wouldn't make me cry. I can't think of a, of a movie that I've cried in. Although, that being said... Oh, who was I just talking to the other day that they said... It was... Oh, man. It was this guy I work with. It was. It literally happened yesterday. Why can't I remember what movie we were talking about? I don't know. Not important. But Thunderbolts. <laughs> it is being written uh, by Lee Sung-Joon. Uh, the, the previous draft was written by Eric Pearson, who is the, uh, the writer for Thor Ragnarok as well as Black Widow. So that makes sense that he would sort of favor the Black Widow characters. I mean, those are his people. Um... But the fact that he writ he wrote 
or helped write, I guess. I don't know to what degree he really was involved. Um, there's a couple writers listed here, it looks like. Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Christopher L. Yost. Yost? I'm going to go with Yost. It's probably Yost, but that's just less fun to say. Um, the fact that he wrote that is a little, or again, helped write that is weird because Thor Ragnarok, obviously incredible. Um, but Black Widow, you know, not exactly great. I mean, it was fun by far. And I think it was, I, well, I've, I've discussed my issues with Black Widow before is that I think it should have stayed a you know a spy espionage thriller and not become a superhero action movie um but you know it is what it is let's see what else has this guy written a, a couple episodes of agent carter um a, a bunch of the one shots man almost all of this guy's filmography is is marvel he has eight credits and they are the one shot, the consultant, one shot, a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer, item 47, Agent Carter, the Agent Carter TV show, Thor Ragnarok, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Black Widow. So only one of these isn't a Marvel film, and the only one that isn't Marvel is just god-awful. Absolutely horrible. Um... Again, I'm biased because I hate the way they portrayed Kong, and also I'm not a big fan of of big kaiju battles. Although I will say that that my opinion on massive kaiju battles has changed slightly since I've started watching um, Attack on Titan. I'm a they they are doing it. Maybe it's a different medium. You know, the the art style is different. I don't know, and I I guess. I don't know. I mean, I kind of have all. I I've still kind of complained about it to my friend Grace, who who convinced me to start watching it. I still complain about the kaiju battles, about the titans. I don't know. Maybe it's just because the story is so good. I I've just sort of looked over it, and maybe I'm I'm my opinion hasn't really changed. Regardless, maybe it's a good thing. You know, looking at this guy's filmography, I don't know if filmography is still the correct word if you're involved with if if it's just writing credits maybe it is i mean i guess i don't i don't really see why it wouldn't be it just feels a little weird you know like the, it doesn't seem like it quite works it doesn't quite hit the nail on the head um but either way looking at at the work he's done i'm not i'm not impressed <laughs> you know i never saw the agent carter tv show um it's got, oh, it's got 7.9 stars out of 10, so not terrible. I don't think I've seen, I do I do like her, uh, Haley Atwell. I do like her as, as Peggy. I thought she was really good in, um, man, whatever that movie was called. The First Avenger, Captain America, The First Avenger. I thought she was good in that. It was fun. Um, you know, that, that movie's obviously not my favorite. Captain America actually it's it's my least favorite Captain America movie but you know it's not bad I enjoy it it's just a very different film um a very different tone from the two that I cherish <laughs> the what the two that I actually really like Winter Soldier and and Civil War but that you know I don't know 
I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. I think it's good. I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably good that um, it focuses more on the team rather than just Yelena. But I do love Yelena. I'm a big fan of both the character and Florence Pugh. Um, not just because she's incredibly attractive. I think I think the actual character is interesting. I like the way uh, she was portrayed in Hawkeye. Um, I I would like to see her developed a little bit more. Have a little bit, a little be a little bit more well rounded. She's not. It's not like she's really one sided. But I think there's certainly some development that could be done in there. Um, you know, and I think I mentioned this before, but I really just do, I'm not really interested <laughs> in David Harbour's Red Guardian. You know, I, that, he was funny for like three scenes. But then after that, I was like, come on, dude. Like, we're basically just saying the exact same joke, but repackaging it ever so slightly. You know, he, he never particularly interested me. Um, I can't stand like the the lame fake Russian accent, you know, man, you know, the more I think about the Black Widow movie, the the more upset I get, because you look at, you think about that, like, I don't know if it was the opening scene, I think it was, but like the backstory bit, where it's like the, um, that TV show, The Americans, you know, it's a group of undercover Soviets who infiltrate uh, in a you know this I don't know I don't remember what it is a, a research facility I think and then they do they blow it up or did or did they just steal something I feel like they blow it up but I don't I don't know I it's been a little while since I've seen that movie but you know that's th- that tone was really interesting and then we end with a with a massive floating fortress. <laughs> and and people just like free falling and just being okay and oh my god yeah no and then the way they did taskmaster oh that's the final character oh man yeah she's the okay okay she's the final member of the thunderbolts team wow that was i can't believe i remembered that that came out of nowhere um i i am interested in the way that they they continue to adapt that character though. I think they, they sort of did, did him in the comics. It's a, he, I believe, but they sort of did her dirty, uh, in the film. Um, man, it was just so awkward. It was so weird and it felt really out of place. And the awkward reveal where it's homeboy's daughter was just, yeah, it was not it. Um, but I would like to see a little bit... I'm interested to see how they develop her and how that relationship with with Yelena continues to play out. I'm, I'm actually really curious about that. I think that's going to be fun. Um, and then finally, I have one final thought on Thunderbolts before we move, we move on. <laughs> I wonder if they do not have uh, Zemo in here, I will riot. You know, I will throw a hissy fit the likes of which, uh, honest, I, you know, I was I was gonna say the likes of which we've never seen, but I've probably I've definitely thrown worse hissy fits. I'm not that invested um, in this movie. I love the Zemo character. I just and I can't 
I can't see a world where they don't include him, considering how important he is to the Thunderbolts comics. I mean, he is the... I believe he's the founder, or at least one of the founders. Um, granted, in the comics, I believe he founded it with, with evil intentions. And I think there have been various comic book runs where he he joins in uh, either with ill intentions or or with good intentions. But traditionally, I think in every instance, he reverts to his, his evil-doing ways at some point throughout the arc. But I just, I don't know. There's no way that they can't involve him, right? Especially with the way that they um, built him up at the end of, of Falcon and Winter Soldier with the way that they left his story. I mean, he has to. He's finally got his cool hood, you know? And he's so much... I don't, I don't, I don't know. I was going to say he's so much more interesting now than he was in Civil War, but I honestly don't think that's true. I think in Civil War, he was much more interesting. Um, not that I dislike the way that they built him out. I just think he was, it was an interesting villain. You know, his, his intentions, his goals were understandable uh, in a way that I, I don't really know if there's been another Marvel villain whose goals have felt so misguided yet noble. Noble's definitely not the right word, but oh man, I, I maybe there is one. Cause you you think of the other the other Marvel villains who we consider we, who I consider to be like the greatest ones. We've got Thanos and and Killmonger. Um, Namor, again, I think I've sort of had this conversation with Shade. I don't know about on the podcast. I don't consider him a villain. He's clearly an anti-hero in the MCU. Um, antagonist in the movie, let's say. Who, who are other villains? Um, man, I can't, I seriously can't think of, of any others that I, because it's, you know, it's because it's because he, he lost his, his wife, you know, and it's like the, the way that they play that out in the story and the way that those scenes are done, especially at the end when, um, uh, T'Challa catches up to him in, where are they at? Siberia? I don't know. Someplace covered with snow. Um, and he's listening to the voicemail that his wife left him before she gets just murked. <laughs> Sorry, that's, I could have put that a little bit more delicately, but, you know, it's a fictional character. Um, you know, right before she gets destroyed uh, by, by in Sokovia or whatever. Jeez. Um, and, oh, and then... He tries to, um, you know, uh, I don't <sighs> commit suicide. I was going to try and put it in like a, a less, um, in a slightly more delicate manner, but then all the other ways seem just like stupid. Like the way that people on, on like the social medias describe it as like unaliving themselves. I think that's just stupid. Um, though I get why they do it to sort of skirt around the algorithm. 
not necessarily something that we're dealing with here, I suppose. Uh, it's a different market entirely. But yeah, he tries to do that. And then uh, Chadwick Boseman stops him, stops him because, oh, because he wants to achieve justice. And he has that little line where he talks about almost going after the wrong guy, you know, because he thinks Bucky's done it. Oh, man. I think he's he is... Is he my favorite MCU villain? Is he? Oh, God. I don't know. You know, it used to be Thanos. But now the more thought I put into it... And Thanos is always hard because... You know, you you were building up to him for ten years, right? He's obviously a very well written and incredible villain, but the fact that you were leading up to him for ten years is does play a massive part in that. I don't know. Anyways, that was a pretty long rant. I don't have anything else on the Thunderbolts. Um, some other MCU projects that are being affected by the Writers Guild strike. There was uh, a TV series called Wonder Man, which I had honestly never heard of. Um, I'd, I'd seriously never heard of it, uh, but that one's on hold. And then also Spider-Man 4, the next uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man film. They've stopped writing that as well. And this is the first update that we've had on that in like three... Excuse me, geez. This is the first update we've had on that in like three months or so. Um but yeah, the uh, the producer over there said that uh, they're they're halting all production, um, and they support the strike, and um, naturally, they re- they plan to resume production on Spider Man and then all, on all these other other um, other projects as soon as the strike ends, a deal as soon as a deal can be reached. Um, interestingly enough, this is the first, I guess. All the other Spider-Man movies, all the other ones, the other two in the MCU had been released like every two years. And so this is the first one to, to break that mold. Um, not, you know, a particularly important detail. I don't I don't necessarily care. <laughs> um, I just hope that they they do it really well. I'm interested to see, obviously, the um, the way that they bring MJ and Ned back into the fold, which sort of brings me something that I, I saw earlier, uh, earlier today when I was, when I was reading up some stories for this, um, is a theory re- related to how they're going to do that. So, well, and, and a little bit more information as to how Dr. Strange's spell is spell the right word, his ritual incantation his um i don't know sorcery his magic i don't know whatever is it i guess spell spell is probably the most accurate way but i don't know it just felt wrong when i said it but some more insight as to uh possibly how that works um i guess in the in the extended edition of of no way home um the post-credit scene that was originally the trailer for Multiverse of Madness got swapped out for a separate credit scene, and in that that scene, it was um, 
like a, a, a basically a newsreel of like their high school broadcasting team. And in it, they, you know, showed a bunch of highlights from the past couple years um, of scenes from the past movies and their pictures where Peter should be there. I mean, they show pictures of, of the math team setting off for DC, um, of the Europe trip and stuff like that. And so these, these are events where Peter's involved. He was heavily involved. Um, and yet he doesn't appear in, in almost any of the pictures. Uh, except for one, with a little caveat, there is a picture that they take when they're in Europe. Um, and they're at that big square. It's the, um, I, don't, I think they're in Italy, maybe. I don't know. It's wherever Zendaya is playing with pigeons, you know. But they take they all take a big group picture there. And in the middle is is Peter's body. And yet there's a pigeon blocking his head. So, you know, origi- naturally in the beginning, with all the other pictures, you're thinking, oh, so maybe the spell took him out of, of all these pictures. Sort of like the... Um, in Harry Potter, in, ep- in not episode, in, in uh, movie seven, when Hermione does her, uh, man, what is that spell called? I love Harry Potter, too. I've read all the books a million times. Um, but there's the spell that, that essentially gets rid of memories, and she does that to her parents so that they won't be in danger. And in doing so, Hermione is removed from all of the family pictures. Um, so the implication at first is that it's the same thing here. But then we see the Europe picture, and Peter's face is blocked by a pigeon. So you would think, you know, they would have, if, if Peter's in the pictures, they would have them and they would use them. But then, you know, you look, you think a little deeper and well, if nobody remembers who the heck Peter Parker is, then why would they include pictures of this rando guy, right? So they probably just didn't use those pictures. They just use pictures wherein Peter's not involved. And uh, this gentleman's theory, who I don't remember his name. I don't... Did I see this on Instagram? No, it was No, it was when I was reading a news story. Oh, I don't know if it was IGN or Collider or Polygon. I feel bad. Um, but it was an interesting analysis, and so I kind of wanted to bring it up and, and see what you guys thought of it as well. But his theory is that MJ, being as astute as she is, would be looking through maybe a history book, not a history book, um, a yearbook, that's the correct word, uh, or, or just looking through various things and she would see these pictures and and be confused like who is this guy how does nobody remember him um and she would do her own investigating and she would realize oh well the only time that i know i've met this guy is in that coffee shop and when i had that really weird interaction with him where he started crying after ordering a cup of coffee um and as the theory goes, at least, is that she would put two and two together and, you know, maybe maybe not... Two and two together isn't quite accurate, but she would realize that something is up and she would do her own investigating and 
after doing such investigation, that would sort of break the spell, break the spell's hold over her. She would overcome it and remember. Um, and then that's how, that's how, you know, they, they get back together or whatever. Um, and it's sort of, you know, it, it tracks with her character. Um, and then this guy went a little bit further in uh, with this claiming this is foreshadowing, which I don't think is, is it's, I guess it's could technically be true though. I don't know if it really applies if it, it, you know, there's that line where she says, if you don't find me or whatever, I'm, I'm going to find you. She says it in a much nicer way and in a much less, you know, Liam Neeson taken kind of way than I just did it. But the basic gist is if you don't find me, I'm going to find you. And obviously at the time you just think oh it's it's you know her way of saying hey homie do this because i really enjoy you um but then the guy who'd made this video thought well it's a little bit of foreshadowing there um which i don't know i think you're maybe reading a little bit too far into that could be true could be true obviously i don't i don't know what what does anybody really know um but then the other aspect of this that I thought was pretty interesting that I don't know if I've seen anywhere is that and I, I think the MJ thing is much more likely um, but I think this one might be more interesting from like a narrative perspective though not more interesting from an emotional perspective is what if Ned figures it out right what if Ned is going through the pictures because I, I think of anybody or out of the two Ned is much more likely to go back and look at the high school yearbook than MJ is, right? You know, just based off of what we've seen thus far. Um, so what if Ned is going through and Ned puts the pieces together and then he comes and finds Peter and he's angry, right? He's like, well, we were best friends. We were inseparable and yet we got separated and you didn't come and find me. You didn't you didn't tell me who you were. We didn't do anything, right? Um, and so there's some friction there that we haven't seen between the two characters and then that is where we get the beginning of ned turning into the hobgoblin which is something that um a lot of people have discussed uh it's been a theory going around that eventually that could happen but we sort of haven't really known how or why or or when this could be the introduction to that um, of course, that could still happen even if MJ discovers it first. You know, MJ finds him out or finds it out, and then they bring Ned in, and Ned gets mad. Um, it's not like these two concepts are mutually exclusive. I just think that's an interesting avenue. You know, something that I feel like that would be that's sort of a, a twist that I don't think is would necessarily be expected um i mean obviously i ex- i would expect it because i just said it but, <laughs> but you know it, it wouldn't be where where you would go immediately i think it would be a fun a fun little um switcheroo as it were i don't know what do you guys think does that do you think that holds any water or do you think it's it's I I don't I don't know a way other otherwise how they're gonna bring the trio back together um, a, a, apart from just the literal you know 
he goes and tells them, which I, I don't think necessarily, I mean, if, if that's true, that's sort of, I, I don't think they would do that because that takes away from the emotional impact of, of No Way Home, right? It sort of takes away the heart from that final scene. Um, I don't know. Interesting, though, nonetheless, I think. Moving on <laughs> with some things that are slightly more set in stone. We have this uh, the announcement of a new Scorsese film. So, you know, the the next film that we're going to be seeing is, is Killers of the Flower Moon, which uh, just released a trailer, uh, and it looks really good. Uh, it's Scorsese, so of course it does. Um, but we got a good crew in there. Um, I, I can't think, honestly, of who it is off the top of my head, but I know Jesse Plemons is in there. Um, I like Jesse Plemons. Um, probably DiCaprio. Yeah, let's see. I've got it pulled up here. We have Leonardo DiCaprio, De Niro, of course, um, Jesse Plemons. Ooh, John Lithgow. I forgot about that. Brendan Fraser, which is kind of weird. Um, he's making a comeback more and more. Sturgill Simpson, interestingly enough. Um, Pat Healy. I'm pretty sure those are like, that's that's the main people at least. Um yeah, those are those are like the big names, but pretty pretty interesting crew. Um, I I would recommend going to watch the the uh, the trailer. I think it's pretty it's pretty pretty interesting. Um, but following the debut of that at the Con Festival, Con I believe it's Con. Um, where is that? Is that Italy? No, it's France, isn't it? Not important. Um, following that. Martin Scorsese had a meeting with the Pope, Pope Francis, uh, the Holy Father himself, and uh, he announced that, well, why don't I just read the whole quote here? He says, quote, I have responded to the Pope's appeal to artists in the only way I know how, by imagining and writing a screenplay for a film about Jesus, and I'm about to start making it, end quote. Um... And then he said that the Holy Father's appeal to, quote, let us see Jesus, end quote, moved him. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Now, obviously, people familiar with, with Scorsese's work uh, probably know that this isn't his first uh, dabbling with religion. He did uh, a film called Silence, which follows uh, some Jesuit priests in Japan in the 17th century. And... Uh, most famously of of these religious movies and uh hotly debated is the last temptation of the christ of the christ last temptation of christ now at the time this this is a this is a very controversial film there was um some outrage by a lot of christians who considered it uh sacrilegious um the depiction of, of of Christ as a human figure, um, was 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 deemed blasphemous. Um, obviously, the Christian view is that uh, Jesus is is the perfect man, and therefore he you know he is um, 
both fully 100% God and fully 100% man. And this sort of depiction of him in this film, which is based off of a, a fictionalization um, of some visions that Christ has, is uh, the depiction of him shows what, a, what is essentially a, a, a regular man uh, who, who is constantly grappling with... Um, with with his with his faith with uh, the the um, interpolation between heaven and earth, and uh, shows you know Jesus having visions of, of committing adultery, um, and just generally not exactly the the Christian view of of Jesus. Um, that being said, I believe the film up, apart from that was was fairly. It, I've heard it described as one of Scorsese's better works. Um, it stars Willem Dafoe, I believe, as Jesus. Um, where is it at here? Uh, probably, probably further on. Uh, I'm trying to find it in IMDb. Let's see. Um, I guess I could just type Christ, and that should pull it up. I can't imagine he's done too many films. Um, okay. It didn't update. <laughs> it didn't pull it up very well. Um, what the heck? Where is this at? I'm really confused. Oh, it's because it's showing his producer credits. Man, I hate that it does that. That that really irritates me. Um, see, I believe this this was made in like not eighty eight, maybe. Yeah, here we go. Um, Oh, here we yeah eighty eight because I thought it I thought it was during the Clinton Clinton pre presidency. Um, we've got Willem Dafoe, Harvey Keitel, I believe that's how it's pronounced. I've never actually known. Maybe it's Keitel. That sounds gross. Probably Keitel. Um, yeah, it, let's see. It looks like it was nominated for an Oscar, Best Director. Well, yeah, it is Scorsese. Um, yeah, apart from that controversy, I believe it has, um, I believe it's pretty well received. And I do know at the, at the beginning that they state that it is, it is not based off of the gospel, rather based off of a fictional, fictionalization uh, that is itself based off the gospel. So I don't know, you know, it is what it is. I, I do hope that whatever f film he makes is actually uh, based off of the gospel, I think that would be interesting. I would love to see that. I don't know who who is going to who's going to play play the man himself, um, but this is this is interesting because it's sort of following on the heels on a little bit of a, a revitalization of of Christian uh, entertainment. We saw the um, the massively successful Chosen series, um, and then I believe. Mel Gibson, that's his name, has announced that he's he's doing uh, the Passion of the Christ two, uh, which is going to again star Jim Jim Caviezel. Um, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, I hadn't thought about that before, but we'll just have to see. Um, he he's sort of hinted at that this is going to be his next film after after Killers of the Flower Moon, though we don't have confirmation on that. His agent. Um, 
has not responded or has not uh 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 what am I trying to say here has not yeah responded to to questions asked by news outlets so we will just have to wait and see um it is obviously possible that when he when he says he's about to start making it it that literally means he's about to start writing it and so we are you know two three years out and we've got a new film between then who knows um you know he he being the the sort of name that he is can just sort of do whatever he wants <laughs> and i think everybody's just gonna everybody will hem and haw and just wait and uh and laud it no matter what moving on to other talented directors and upcoming films they have um we have a little update on the next tarantino film which i believe he said is going to be the last film that he directs this one is titled the movie critic and in an interview with variety he sort of gave some hints as to who that movie is going to be based on and a little bit more info about it itself um so the film is going to be set in the 70s i believe 77 and it follows an incredibly cynical film critic Though, as was previously um, speculated on, it is not the New Yorker's Pauline Kael. So Tarantino himself says that this is, quote, based on a guy who really lived but was never really famous, and he used to write movie reviews for a porno rag, end quote. So, you know, obviously (laughs) a bit of a different um, tone shift from movies we've discussed earlier. Um (laughs) yeah that's funny i guess i didn't i didn't think about it like that but that's hilarious we go from talking about marvel to talking about jesus to talking about a film critic for a porno magazine but you know it is what it is i'm sure the articles were great um and he didn't reveal which magazine it was uh but it it is a, a magazine that he read as a child i guess when he was younger he worked at uh he worked toward his, what am I trying to say? When he was a child, his job was refilling like the the quarter magazine dispensaries. I don't know what you really call them. Um, I I wasn't born that long ago. You know, I'm a I'm a child. Uh, I'm not an old man like some people who who listen to this podcast. Uh, sorry, sorry, pops. Um, but the name of the magazine in the film is going to be the Pop Star Pages, uh, which is which has got a ring to it. You know, it's I like the alliteration. It it uh, it certainly rolls off the tongue. Um, hard consonants, you know, the Pop Star Pages. Um, <laughs> but in this in this um, magazine. He says that the critic, he wrote about mainstream movies and he was a second string critic and that Tarantino thinks he was a very good critic. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how Tarantino stands on many other films, so I, I'm not going to, I can't really, I guess, you know, good critic is, is, it doesn't necessarily mean that he has, you know, you agree with his views. It just could be that he has well thought out, well articulated views um, that are interesting to read, I suppose. So maybe that that doesn't that doesn't necessarily show the content of these articles. But I don't know. 
Um, and so then <laughs> further on in this interview with Variety, he goes on to describe the critic a little bit himself. And he says he's, quote, he was cynical as hell. His reviews were a cross between early Howard Stern and what Travis Bickle might be if he were a film critic. Think about Travis's diary entries. Um, Travis Bickle, obviously the main character of the Taxi Driver films, not exactly a well put together, um, <laughs> uh, not exactly a, a model of good society. Um, you know, I mean, I guess he doesn't. He doesn't. Oh no, he does. He does try to kill a presidential candidate for no reason, really. I was gonna say at least he's doing some good things because doesn't he? He kill a pimp later on in the film, um, but you know. Hot take, I'm sort of opposed to murder. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of opposed to that. I think morally it's probably not great. Um, <laughs> you know, but who am I to judge, I suppose? I don't know. I mean, you know, thinking about his diary entries, those are like... I mean, he talks about just... Oh, man. he's Yeah, he doesn't... Oh, man. I, You know, the more I think about it, maybe I don't want to read the... Um, the reviews that this guy gave actually maybe i do because oh man i I don't know like i guess i okay see here this is a little tough because i don't have really a frame of reference because i i've never been into howard stern uh, i'm not into howard stern now let alone what he was like in the beginning which i would assume was before i was born i mean when was when was howard stern big like when did he start i want to I'm just going to guess like back in the nineties, maybe that's way too, maybe that's way too, I don't know. Let's see. What is he? 69 years old, uh, gained popularity when it was nationally syndicated 86 to 2005. Okay. So I was, I was even a little, a little late. Interesting. Years active 75 to the present. So, Hmm. I wonder what we mean when we say, early Howard Stern, if we mean early on, like really early on, as in before he was nationally syndicated, or early on as in in the uh, early years of his sort of rise to fame, meaning 86 to like say 90, I don't know. Maybe if some of you know a little bit more about Howard Stern, you know, you could you could give us a little bit of, a little bit of more reference. The only clips from Howard Stern I've seen are his clips with with uh, Beetlejuice, um, the gentleman who who <laughs> who's who's fun to listen to. I'm just going to be diplomatic and polite um, and not make fun of him because I think that's really rude. Despite the fact that I'm pretty sure you know that's literally the point of his <laughs> appearances on the show is just to make fun of him, but that's not none of my business. Um, further describing the critic. Tarantino said, he, uh, quote, but the critic was very, very funny. He was rude. He cursed. He used racial slurs, but his stuff was very funny. He was rude as hell. I, um, I did alter that quote just a little bit. Uh, he did not use the word stuff. I figured that was, might be a little bit too blue for our, our show here, you know, <laughs> might be a little much. Um, but man, I mean, to be honest, you know, it was the 70s. Who didn't use racial slurs? 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Probably he probably used some some bad ones and in very negative connotations, and that's not okay. But um, I'm I God, I I do want to know who this guy is. I I want to read some of his reviews. I want to see like mainstream movies. Like what movies was he reviewing in the seventies? Oh man, what I wonder what what his review of The Godfather was, mm, and The Godfather Part Two, and didn't Taxi Driver come out in the seventies? Um, yeah, seventy six. Um, Rocky was seventy seven, wasn't it? Or uh, Rocky was also seventy six. Well, when when was Rocky two? Seventy nine. Hmm. I'd be interested. I want. I do want to know who this guy is. I'm curious now. I don't know. It's the 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 connection. It's the Howard the Howard Stern and Travis Bickle thing is throwing me off. Like what what are we what are we what are we talking about here? What are we? <laughs> you know what is he writing? I mean, is he, is he talking about like like murdering people? Is he I, man? Whew, I don't know, but I'm curious. I'm curious. I don't know. He, he he did say that, you know, it's very unlikely that anybody's going to know this guy um until the movie comes out just because he was he was not known literally at all until, unless you read that magazine. Um I mean, you know, even then I think he said he was a second string critic for the magazine. So, you know, not exactly um not exactly a Roger Ebert over here. You know, as for who's going to play the 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 titular movie critic, Tarantino said that nobody's been cast yet, but he's looking for an actor in their mid 30s, someone around 35. Um he said he does have somebody in mind, but he's not entirely sure if he wants to give them the role just yet. Um and I mean that's fair cuz this is going to be a new lead man for him you know most of the other uh regulars that he works with are getting up there you know brad pitt was in um what's upon a time in hollywood dicaprio all these guys are i want to say they're in their 50s dicaprio might be like 49 but i'm pretty sure brad pitt is is 50 um let's see leonardo dicaprio born Where's his birth? Oh, 74. Yeah. 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 He's getting up there. <laughs> um, and then what, what's Brad Pitt? I want to say he's like 52. Let's see here. Oh, 63. Um, oh, he's 60 years old. Wow. That's wild. Wow. Man, I was so off. Anyways. Yeah. So he's looking at some new people. Um, this film he described as uh, being it's about to go into pre-pre-production. Uh, now, as somebody who has never made a film myself, I must admit I'm not entirely familiar with what is involved in pre-production, let alone pre-pre-production. Um, so what I, what I would assume is that right now he's literally just playing with the script. You know, he's not, I would assume he's just sort of vaguely hammering out the story, kind of de- maybe developing the character list. Maybe he's not even writing the story itself. He's just trying to figure out who's involved, writing personalities. Um, and then again, you know, I don't know what, what his 
writing process is like. Maybe he's talked about it before, um, and I just in an interview, and I just haven't seen it. But I have no idea how how it works for him. Um, he has said though that he will be moving to LA next month to really uh, start to get to work on this. So hopefully, we'll be seeing some more news coming out of it uh, within, you know, I don't know, six months. Within six months, maybe we'll see something exciting. I don't know. Probably unlikely, um, if I had to guess. But finally, we are going to move forward to a movie uh, that has sort of snuck under the radar, but it just came to my attention the other day. Um, and I'm I'm pretty interested in it. So this story is actually from March 30th, so almost exactly two months ago. Um, The film Megalopolis, Megalopolis, which is fun to say, uh, has finally wrapped production. So this is um, going to be the most recent film from Francis Ford Coppola, another one uh, of another of some of the one of the most man i don't i was gonna say widely lauded but i don't know if that's entirely true i mean some of his some of his stuff is like hit or miss i mean obviously he's got some incredible films you know we've we have the godfather um apocalypse now the conversation but then you know we we go a little bit further down here um and we've got well obviously the godfather 3 isn't great it's not horrible but it's not great um what was the one that I was just thinking of earlier? Oh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super fun. Um, but it wasn't exactly, you know, the most incredible film. Um, starring Gary Oldman as as Dracula. I forgot about that. Oh, The Outsiders, which again is, is one that I, I love. Um, I think it's really fun. But it's not exactly you know, the most critically acclaimed film as, uh, as Shade and I have discussed, it's sort of got some iffy, cheesy, weird parts, but you know, and then, I mean, the rest of his filmography isn't particularly impressive. Not, it's not terrible. I don't think, but it's not great. I mean, gardens of stone, you know, not great. Um, what else do we have here? Peggy Sue got married. I never saw that one, but it has 6.4 out of 10 stars. You know, I don't know. I guess the last the last truly great film that he did was probably Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking through now. That that's probably the last truly great film he's done, and that was in '79. <laughs> you know, so yeah, wow. And after that, I mean, he did like another 15, 20 films. So maybe widely lauded isn't great, but got some pretty pretty good ones. Got some pretty good ones. Wait, is there another one that I'm? Who did? Who did? Um. Who's the director for It's a Wonderful Life? Um, 
Let's see here. Frank Capra, that's right. That's why I was a little confused. Kind of similar names. Um, but anyways, this film, Megalopolis, has officially wrapped production. And um, it's it's had a lot of setbacks, a lot of controversies over, over its production. Uh, the idea for it was first pitched in 1980, so, you know, 40 years ago. Um, and th- most of the setbacks, I believe, have been from like budget issues uh the budget as with most films ended up being much larger uh than was originally planned um though i i think the when it finally got off the ground uh coppola yeah here we go coppola was able to afford the hundred million dollar budget by um by selling off some assets, <laughs> including popular wineries in the Northern California region. So he essentially self-financed a lot of this. And uh, the filming began last fall in Atlanta, but there was some setbacks in uh, in that time period because I guess there was a major overhaul in the creative department. There were some rumors that there was chaos on set and that there was some uh issues between the cast and crew but coppola and and one of the stars have both completely denied that um the the main star adam driver has said that uh he he just completely debunked and he said it was one of the best shooting experiences he's ever had um he said that the crew is fast and inventive. Our costume department is on point. The actors are incredible and willing. And Francis is one of the most insightful and caring people to work with. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know necessarily, you know, where those rumors originated from. But I'm sure that, I'm sure there was some tension, of course, but n- nothing major, I suppose. Um, but the reason that I'm really excited in this is well let's just take a look at the cast first before I, I get into a little bit about the the actual <laughs> the plot a little bit so obviously i mentioned adam driver earlier we also have forrest whitaker john voigt aubrey plaza lawrence fishburne shia labeouf talia shire uh, jason schwartzman and natalie emmanuel who who, well, it's spelled Nathalie with a T-H, but I believe that's probably pronounced Natalie. This is the um, the lovely actress who played Miss Sande in Game of Thrones. She was incredible. Um, I should really watch Game of Thrones again. It's been a little while since I've seen it. I think I talked about that last episode, too. Um, but the, the reason that I'm excited about this, listen to this plot. So... The film was inspired by the second Catiline conspiracy, which was this thing that went on in ancient Rome. Um, however, the film itself has a futuristic setting and will center on an ambitious architect who hatches the groundbreaking idea of rebuilding New York into a utopia in the aftermath of a natural disaster that ruined the city's infrastructure. Um, I think that sounds pretty dope. And... Uh, 
supposedly the film is going to have some pretty stunning visuals and it's it's using some quote groundbreaking technology and using techniques that are similar to those that have been used for the Mandalorian um so i mean i'm in i mean we've discussed how incredible that is you know thousands of times basically um so yeah i'm i'm really excited i'm really excited for this one there's currently no release date um, but with filming now having ended, I'm assuming, you know, we're going to be able to expect some first look photos and maybe a trailer within the coming months here. Um, probably not the coming months as in like sometime soon, probably within like six to eight months, I would guess, hopefully. Um, I don't know. This one, this was just one that I don't know where I came across this, but I saw it and it piqued my interest. Uh, and I don't think it's one that we talked about before, so I just kind of wanted to bring it up, and uh, you know, see see if uh, I was alone in in thinking that this looked like it was going to be pretty cool. But um, you know, that's going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, again, sort of a, a slow news week. We didn't have any groundbreaking stories, I thought, um, but it was fun to opine on on. Opine, I don't think is the right word. I think that means complain. Um, to oh no, opine, hold and state as one's opinion. So no, it still doesn't. It it doesn't. It doesn't quite work in that context. But it was nice to. It sounded good. You know, it made me sound intelligent. Um, but obviously, ultimately, I used it wrong. But it was fun to just you know think about the. Uh, what's going to happen with with some marvel stuff and then and then the the news about the um the scorsese film was pretty interesting so yeah not exactly any any major stories but still stuff that i thought was interesting at least and if you didn't think it was interesting well you know sorry (laughs) you know um why don't you write a strongly worded letter and we will take it uh, under advisement. <laughs> but I don't write the news. I don't write the news. That would be fun though, wouldn't it? If I could be the one writing the stories. Um, it would just be it would just be pointless pointless stuff that nobody found interesting but me. <laughs> so maybe it's best that I don't. But you know, with that, uh, we're gonna leave it here and uh, we will catch you next week. 